Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jake. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Are you? Yeah, I drank some caffeine before coming here. Whoa. A little bit more lively today. Would you have like a Coca-Cola? No. So <laughs> there's these things that only Safeway sells them. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with like those carbonated like flavored waters? Absolutely. Like the ice, ice brand. Yeah. Okay, so ice does a those, but they're in a can, aluminum can, uh-huh. and they're plus caffeine. Okay. So they taste, ex- they don't taste any different than mm. the ones that come in like the little twisty cap bottle, mm-hmm. but it has caffeine. Okay. And it's really good because it's not, it's not soda. I right. mean, it's probably right. not that healthy for you, but it's a, it's a little pep in your step. A little pep in my step. Okay. I needed it this morning. It was I stayed up way too late watching, catching up on the Democratic debate because uh-huh. I didn't watch it live. So okay. I just I watched watched it last night. So I was up until oh. like one watching it. So. Oh. I was gonna say this might be weird. I like that shirt. Looks good on you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was also up late. Um, because school's back in Oh, that's session. right. That's right. You have the, you have that old thing. So I have an ethics in professional... Prof, prof, what's it called? Professional ethics? No, it's called like... I don't know what it's called. I'll look it up. I okay. should I should know. I, I feel like I'm getting both my classes kind of confused with one another. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Which I'm really on. worrying about. Like doing that all semester because... Okay, ethics for professionals. Okay. It's because they both have professionals in it. Mm. Ethics for professionals mm-hmm. and research methods for professionals. Okay, so these are more, this is, you're taking like a methods course now. Yeah. Uh, so. Those are tough, but also like my favorite. Dude, I'm so into the ethics one because I've never taken an ethics course before, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like reading about different theories on ethics and um i'll get to that because i want to have like i have some prompts that i had to answer that i maybe want you to think about okay i'm I'm Um, excited for that i've never taken an ethics course either yeah that's interesting and then research for methods uh research methods for professionals Mm -hmm. i feel like and this is just the beginning but i feel like even doing the early even the early parts of the reading it feels like the basis is already like, listen, I know that communication students are not like math students, and I know that research can be a little intimidating. Well, my whole undergrad was founded on my ability to do research mm-hmm. and write papers, Yeah. right? Yeah. It might be um, qualitative mm-hmm. and less quantitative, Yeah. but they're like, there's going to be some quantitative research here, but we'll work through it. And it's like, are they going to really go in deep into quant? No, but there is a there is um there's a certain amount of like you're going to take data from polls and from information and be able to like I don't know well quantify analyze it, it and quantify it yeah. and interpret it and find out okay. which way the market is looking at things and how ah, people okay. are looking at things because if you're in communications whether that's sales marketing mm-hmm. or working for the government you need to understand Numbers. who you're speaking to for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough because if you I had to take a quantitative methods yeah. course at AU and that was tough because you had to come up with your own data like oh. create your own very your own control variables your own um, <clears throat> your own data sets mm-hmm. go to other data sets and try to compile compile data on your mm. own and then print and create the bar graphs and all that stuff and then basically come up with your own your own argument based right. on your quantitative, your findings through quantitative methods. That sounds way harder than what I'm doing. <laughs> so you're going to do all my work for me. That's it. It's settled. <laughs> no, you're but be, you'll be fine. So the ethics course, it's like, it's almost no homework, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, posts, online posts and conversation. Okay. So you're, you have to have an initial post, then you have to respond to at least like three people. Mm-hmm. But then you have to have like I can't what they can't remember what they call it, but it's like um, a more advanced post, which is just you having a back and forth with students. Also, sure. So even on your post, if somebody replies to yours asking about yours, then you respond to them your thoughts and maybe expand more, and mm-hmm. then whatever. <laughs> <laughs> which I like. I like having the conversations. Yeah. You know. Um, 
but it was due last night because usually it's due Tuesday, but because it started Monday, mm. it was due Wednesday <clears throat> at midnight, and okay. then I'm still working, so it was like I had to like kind of do some reading at work yesterday when it slowed down, and then mm-hmm. run home, and then. I could have started right away, but then I've been really into Shark Tank, and so okay. <laughs> I watched an episode of Shark Tank, and then I finished it, like, submitted it, like, 11.57. That's funny. I've been I've caught a few episodes of Shark Tank recently as well. Yeah. It's awesome. I don't know if it was recent, but it was one, like, some chick was uh, trying to get people to get sharks to invest in her beat, into, not beats, um, what was the, gosh, I can't think of the fruit, Dates. Uh-huh. It was like a like a, a date spread and like basically it was all it's like a vegan alternative, but everything is dates. date based. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I've seen somewhere they they base their whole product on a certain like fruit or nut mm-hmm. or something that really isn't used in the US yeah. or, you know, even Western countries so mm-hmm. that they're trying to expose or create a new market and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's up with you, dude? Um, Anything new in the world of J Train Iron Eyes Jake? No, not really. Man. Nothing. Nothing. Not really. Wow, I, that's it's been thrilling. that's great to know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, better than bad things, I guess. For sure. I mean, I. I um, it, nothing. Nothing new. Wow, to, nothing okay. new to really report on. Just working away. Yeah, trying to find new jobs. But. Yes. Yes. As am I, as am I. Um, since our conversation last week, mm-hmm. um, I've I've been uh, having a little more flair and a little less do. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid, dude. It's miserable. But whatever. It is what it is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I can only do so much and they can yell at me. Hey. So, I watched a movie. You watched a movie, okay. Yeah, we don't really talk about movies, but I just wanted to say something about it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Joker? No. What What do you think about seeing Joker? I don't know. I think I would see it. Okay. If, if like it was if, like in Redbox and I could rent it for a night for like a dollar, right? Two dollars, like I would take it. But I didn't. I I had no real ambition to go see it in the movie theater. See, me neither. And I love Batman. I know, but it's not canon. Like, in, okay, right? And I know how you feel about the Joker, so I'll let you okay, explain so your criticism. You're, you know, of you say it's movie. not canon. Um, what is it? I think it's the Killing Joke. Um, is it the Killing Joke? There's an origin story comic. I can't remember which one it is, and this is terrible because yeah, it is the, the Killing Joke. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit about it. Okay. It's uh t- t- provides an origin story of the supervillain Joker loosely uh, adapted from the 1951 story arc, the man behind the red hood, which is a great comic also about Batman. Uh, the joke Joker's Joker's origin is presented via flashback while simultaneously depicting his attempt to drive Jim Gordon insane um, and Batman trying to stop him. Um, so I'm pretty, sure he's like um i think he's a comedian and he's got a pregnant wife and he's trying to like make it and try Mm -hmm. to like but then he there's an accident and he turns into the joker whatever i never liked i didn't like that part of the killing joke like i don't like the joker having an origin Mm -hmm. and in the dark knight yeah amazing because joker pops out of nowhere and destroys gotham and is an adequate counterpart to Batman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love that. I love that there's no no story. And then you've seen The Dark Knight, right? Yeah. So he keeps coming up with these ideas of how he got those scars, right? He, mm-hmm. Or these stories. He keeps telling different stories about how he did it. I love that because he's not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And I love that representation of the Joker because there is no... There is no origin and it's complete chaos. Yeah, it's supposed to be chaos. Like and you don't understand. You don't. You can't even guess where mm-hmm. he's going, right? Yeah. I love that. He's always four steps ahead of Batman, which is cr- makes Batman have to change the mm-hmm. way that he operates. It's a little more mental than physical, um, which is great, which is why I love the Joker as a character. You look at Jack Nicholson's Joker. Mm-hmm. He had an origin in that movie. Um didn't really like that origin either. I love Jack Nicholson as a Joker. I don't like that origin. Um, 
So, I just, when this movie came out, I was like, okay, they're going to make a whole movie about an origin of the Joker. I am not about this. And then I'm reading Todd Phillips saying, well, it's not really the Joker. We kind of just stole the title to get people in seats. Mm -hmm. And that pissed me off. I was like, dude, that is so dumb. Why is DC like putting their name on this then? Yeah. That's how I feel about that bastardized eighth Harry Potter book that J.K. It was, right. It was fan fiction written yes. as a screenplay that J.K. Rowling for some reason attached her name to. Yeah. So um, this was the other night. I started it at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I'm just going to start it. We'll see how this goes. It is incredible. Really? Okay. It is so good. Okay, well, now we're going to have to go watch if it. If this is the Joker, mm-hmm. that Batman, that is the nemesis of Batman, I am down. I am so in for well, it. Well, isn't there talk that they're going to I don't know. this in it, like retcon this as canon? I don't know, but Wow. Wow. I was just like, it was amazing. Okay. It was so good. And I thought I was going to hate it. Mm -hmm. And I was probably being contrarian about it. Wow. uh, Like everybody's talking it up and saying it was so good. I'm like, that movie's stupid. I'm never going to see it. Now I'm here telling you how amazing it was. (laughs) Okay. Dude, Joaquin Phoenix is freaking, he seems like such a doucher. But wow. And... There is absolutely ties with Batman in that movie. And I thought there wasn't. So what the hell? Mm. Sounds like you can't get a straight answer out of like anybody. Yeah, there's it's absolutely tied into the Batman mm. universe. That's good. And if this is how the Joker becomes the Joker, mm-hmm. I'm all game. I love it. I love it. Got to be way better than Jared Leto's attempt at the Joker from Suicide Squad. So you look at Jared Leto's attempt, and what I liked about Jared Leto was that he made me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's what I like about a good Joker, is I feel like, ooh, like, like not that he's great. He wasn't great. He Mm -hmm. wasn't great. But he had a little bit of psycho to him. You didn't know who if he was going to kill anybody in the room. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. It just sucks that one. I don't. I don't. If you watch a lot of the deleted scenes from Suicide Squad, yeah. where he was like, they deleted most of the scenes that he was in. I didn't see him. Um, he he actually does pretty good. Really? But they make. I mean, I don't know. They just did such a poor job with that movie. Yeah. I felt like. Well, dude, he's all tatted with the grill, and it's like, it, it was. Yeah, the look isn't great. No, it's not. But he is a lot. Him and the dynamic between him and Harley Quinn is really, really good. And mm-hmm. some of these, delete, if you get a chance to go watch, I'll have to some watch of these him. deleted scenes. You'd be like, okay, that's a better Joker than I thought mm-hmm. after watching that yeah, movie. That sucks because that Suicide Squad movie was really bad. So Batman vs Superman. If you watch the extended version, mm-hmm. there's not much added to it. But there's enough added to it that it explains the overall story a little better. It makes you wonder what what is DC's like. What are they doing? doing? <laughs> what are they doing? I know. I mean, maybe they just need to make dark films mm-hmm. because Joker was amazing. They need to do that because otherwise you're just this. You're the second act of Avengers. Yes, absolutely. There's nothing that differentiates you. Uh, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Those were all realistic kind of dark films. Mm-hmm. And people love them. The Joker is so dark. Mental illness, social pressures, like... Kind of tackling these real issues, mm-hmm. amazing. That's awesome, dude. It's okay. it's a I'll little uncomfortable off. to watch sometimes because it's it's dark, dude. Yeah, well, but, Joaquin Phoenix is like the perfect dude to play that because he also like his best role. I thought, yeah, that at least I've seen him in was Walk the Line, the Johnny okay. the Johnny Cash mm-hmm. story, and that's a guy who was in his own head, struggling with mental illness, yeah, and pressures and his ghosts of the past when he was a kid with his oh. father and. Joaquin Phoenix perfectly portrays perfectly portrays that. You should you should watch Joker, and if you're listening, just check it out, dude. I want to watch it. Uh, Jen didn't watch it with me. I watched it by myself, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Just tell me if you think I should watch it." I woke up. I'm like, "We're watching that. I'll watch it again." It was wow. It's been a while since I've seen a I've watched a movie where I had 
your reaction, like yeah. the reaction you're having to Joker. Yeah. The last time I watched a movie that was like, I had that kind of, well, one was that I won't really call it a movie because it's a documentary, but uh-huh. they shall not grow old. But, Oh, um, right. Right. Yes. Lincoln. Have you uh, seen? See, I started that and I was like, I should watch this movie. And then I turned it off. <laughs> okay. Well, if you get a chance to watch it again, I have it. Lincoln okay. is probably my favorite movie. Really? I've watched in the last five years. Okay. I'll put that on my list because I've been wanting to watch like things that I haven't seen. So mm-hmm. I'll definitely add that. Um, now, saying I love the Joker, I think my favorite movie in the last year that I've watched is still Jojo Rabbit. I know. I need to see that yeah, too. Yeah, comes out in February on DVD. Does it? Okay. Yes. Then I will be um, jumping on that. I so, wonder if it's in $3 theater. Ooh. Well, it I'll, might be. I'll take a look at that. I just love the his- historical you know, narrative on it mm-hmm. and it's funny and it's, it's got some real shit going on and it's just, a, it's my favorite movie. Um, uh, but damn, as far as Joker and me just blowing it off cause I thought it was going to suck. Shame on me. It was awesome. So check it out. That's all. Okay. That's all I have to say. Perfect. Um, I just wanted to say real quick, we don't have to talk about it long because I know it drives people crazy, but I know some people enjoy it. Some people really enjoy your thoughts and opinions. The tilt throws to Lillard. A three for the game. What do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Blazers. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say Blazers because <laughs> I was driving here listening to um, the Rip City podcast, K- Casey Hodel's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that he does with uh, Joe, Joe Freeman. Yeah. And oh, I, I, I'm i excited for what's coming with the Blazers, okay. or at least the anticipation of what's going right. to... Because we're, we're, we're due for some massive changes please. with this roster, please. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, even but, but last night was the first time... So they beat the Houston Rockets. I didn't watch it, but I was I love I love Dame versus Westbrook. Oh my god. Did you see the chirping? So I saw a clip of them like I saw Westbrook saying uh a foul is a bucket. It, uh, you can't guard me. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I sent that to them boys, which is Mike and Matt and CJ. Mm-hmm. And then CJ's like this uh, this ended in double technical. I was like, "What?" So then I had to go find that clip. And I was just watching, going back and forth. I watched the double technical, and I texted him back, and I was like, because I DVR every game, mm-hmm. I said, I might rewatch this whole thing. Not the whole thing, but at least the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, the fourth quarter is all that's really worth watching. Well, and Jen yeah. always tells me the only thing that matters is the last five minutes. Of basketball? Which, yes. That's 100% true. <laughs> it's the worst, though, because I'll get so hyped in the third, mm-hmm. and she's like, calm down. Only the last five minutes matter. It just immediately yep. brings me back. Yeah. Jen's 100% right on that. I know. It's five minutes. Yeah. It's the last five minutes of any basketball Like, game. as soon as the five-minute mark hits, she goes, okay, now the game matters. And I'm like, ugh. It's true, but let me enjoy the highs and lows of, yeah, of right. you know, 32 other minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I don't know. Last night, um, that was the first time they've looked good defensively. Uh-huh against a any opponent right. this season for the, in the entire game. Mm-hmm. There was a couple lapses where there was a couple... You you left Ben McLemore open in the corner. And he's let, on that team? Yeah, he's starting. Whoa. Yeah, I haven't seen that guy since he was in Sacramento. Like, I don't Weird. Know, I don't know what he's been doing. Me neither. But he drilled like five threes last night. Of you course. Know, typical well, yeah. blazer killer. Defense, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and defense. <laughs> so, and he was... There was times where he was trying to guard Dame straight up and Dame just destroyed him. Oh, yeah. Um, Harden couldn't even stay with Dame. Dame was on a mission last night. There's something about Russell Westbrook that makes Dame play better. That's after annoying. after that back and forth mm-hmm. where Russ goes to the foul, and he's like, "You can't guard me down here. You can't guard me down here. Impossible." Mm-hmm. Gets up there and bricks the free throw. Yes, and then idiot <laughs> down on the down the court. The next time Dame launches one of those 37 footers, dude, that thing was down. It goes rattle, 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 rattle out. 
And I was like, oh, how great would it have been because he would have hit that because it was right after a Russell Westbrook brick on a free throw after he'd been talking. The worst part about him talking was he goes, if you foul me, it's a point. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to hit the free throw. And then he misses the free throw. Did you see throw. the Blazers' brench reaction to that miss? Uh-uh. Oh, dude, they all just they exploded, man. It's like It was one of those patented, like, Zach Collins, like, falling over. Collins wasn't there. Yeah. But, um, I love Nurk on the bench traveling with the team, even though he's Duh. not playing for, like, another month. Yes. That's my favorite storyline of this season is that, like, Nurk. He's up all the time. Mm-hmm. He's up as much as Terry is. Yeah. Constantly. Dude. That big old mop on his fore- on his head he's got I going right it. now. I hate <laughs> it. But there's, like, I guess they were doing, like, um, I don't know what. Did you see um, Hassan Whiteside's reaction after he hit that three and he started, like, ducking? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what that was. Do you? I don't know, but Russell Westbrook missed a three. And they all ducked. Yeah. Like, and somebody, like, I think it was the Blazers tweeted, like, um, ducking, dodging bricks or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he misses the shot, and the whole bench is, like, ducking and, like, covering their head. Well, because it 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 misses, it doesn't even touch rim, and it hits the opposite side of the backboard. Yeah. And then shoots right down at at Whiteside's head. So he grabs it, it passes the ball up to Dame, and then everybody's doing the ducking for cover thing. <laughs> That's my favorite. So I don't know if you saw what Melo said, but he was like the the bench energy mm-hmm. was as high as us on the court. He goes that changed the game for us. Yeah, like something along those lines. I, they're not playing. I'm not going to say they're playing better basketball, yeah. but they, they still suck. They still for the last five quarters. Yeah, the fourth quarter of the Rockets game, mm-hmm. and of the Hornets game, and then the four quarters of the, this last Rockets mm-hmm. game, they look—they're playing better. Mm-hmm. At least they're hustling on the perimeter, right? And that's that's all I wanted to see. It's the lazy, like, oh, I'm not going to actually just go to the corner and guard right. this guy. That was frustrating. Yeah, some dudes are going to hit contested threes especially a team like houston who shoots as many as they Mm -hmm. do they're going to hit 17 18 of them a game just because of the volume that they shoot but it's the it's so frustrating when you don't see guys actually guard it last night what i saw the defense doing to james harden was something i haven't seen teams really do except for like golden state Mm -hmm. and what they were like they weren't even so russell westbrook would have the ball like on the about 37 feet out on like the right on the right wing Mm -hmm. Dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. And then you'd see Harden trying to figure out how what kind of screens he needs to run under to get open. Mm-hmm. And CJ or whoever was on defense on him, Bazemore, whomever, hand up guarding him three feet away at basically midcourt, mm-hmm. just picking him up off ball at midcourt and sticking just on eyes him. eyes on like, him, looking at Not him. even looking at anything else that's going Duh! on the floor, just watching him. Yes. Harden. And Harden could not get an open look all night long. Good. It was awesome. It was yeah, good to see that. Good because that takes a, that takes a level of defense that I don't think a lot of players on this Blazers team right now want to play. Who's guarding him? It was, was anyone. CJ, it, it was CJ and, and Bazemore. Hmm. I like Bazemore's defense. Bazemore, God, he can't hit. He can't hit water falling out of a boat, man. <laughs> he shot two of thirteen last night. Uh, at least he's not Hazonia, though. Hazonia's bad. Holy shit! Hazonia's when so you text bad. me that. You texted me the other a few games ago, and you're like, "Are you watching the game?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a few minutes behind." You're like, "At like nine minutes in the fourth, just watch Azonia." So I was like, "Okay, so it's getting close to the nine minute mark, and I'm watching the game, and I kind of forgot that you told me to watch Azonia, mm-hmm. but I was watching Azonia, and I went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> just left a dude standing alone in the paint." I just gasped. He left. He ran to the perimeter to guard no one because both guys on the perimeter were guarded as the guy is walking down the paint to dunk it. Mm-hmm. He just turned away from him. It was embarrassing. He was dude. on the ball defender in the paint and left the dude. Yeah. <laughs> At what level of basketball is that okay? None. None. Not, not even peewee. Stop the ball yeah. is the rule. Mm-hmm. It's always the rule. You'd rather stop a layup than a freaking jump shot. Mm-hmm. He was embarrassing. One thought, one final thought on basketball, unless you have one, is um, the Bucks. They're fun to watch. Oh, I love. God, them. I, 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 hate I, them. I, I, I hate them, but I love them. They because- have all the Blazers, and I'm like, you guys are having so much fun. Mm-hmm. I hate all of you. Wes, Pat Connaughton, Robin <laughs> Lopez, Jake's throwing his phone on the ground. Um. <laughs> But, you know, Wes has always been one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. 
But I think all the time, because he was guarding Damien, and Damien's just busting threes in his face. Wes is an amazing defender. He's still pretty good. But how many times, how many threes or big shots do you think have been hit in his face? <laughs> Sorry. A lot, because he's the primary yeah. on-ball defender. Yeah. And, like, the mentality you have to have to just, like, let it go mm-hmm. and move on and play to the next play. Yeah. You got to have it. And I think about that when I watch him a lot because mm-hmm. he's he's gardening. He's making big, big defensive plays a lot of times. But naturally, that's going to cause you to. He's also a semi-undersized def- guard. Guard. Yeah. For two guard. Yeah. He's yeah. semi-undersized. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have that lift like he used to since that no, Achilles injury. God, no. But I love him so much. There was a lot of times when he would like when he was with the Blazers and healthy mm-hmm. where he he could get up and block oh, a yeah. three-point attempt like coming out of nowhere and swat it. Like, yeah. He could do that kind of stuff. I miss him. He, and that's what I worry about with Hood with the Achilles. Oh, yeah. It's like I just don't know what we're looking at getting him back. Dude, he, has he a, had a bunch of blocks this season, he too. Had a, he, had a play, he had a player option. He has a player option for right. next year. Whether he picks that up or not, I don't know. I mean, what are we looking at Achilles-wise? Right. Jason Quick seems to think that Hood will be back by the start of next season. And I don't Ooh. know how. Like, that's like... He's like, well, if you look at when Wes's injury happened and the amount of time it took him to get back on the court, mm-hmm. that it we're looking at a, like about the same timeline, timeline. and we have better, better, you know, better um, technology and better mm-hmm. medicine than we did back, you know, f- what five years ago, and that injury right. happened with Wes. Secondly, um, but I mean, at, at what level are we going to be getting from Hood? Like, is he? Yeah. We're, we're not going to be getting starting caliber. Hood, no. even if he's able to play it right. beginning of next season. So, and for me, the the biggest for big uh, this the whole season has been littered with injuries. But I think the most impactful, at least in terms of the long term scope of this team, is Zach Collins. Everyone because says that. what do you yeah. have? Not just because of his losing that play and that size, but you don't know now. You really have no idea what you have in him. Mm-hmm. You, oh, he's yeah. just such an unknown commodity. And this was supposed to be the year where you're like, okay. Is this guy a dude we pay yep. and build around, or is it a guy we use as a trade piece? Right. In, Damn it. In, in I didn't Olsh- think about that. And Olshay doesn't like Olshay doesn't He'll trade. He'll pay him. God, yes, he he's will. Gonna he's gonna pay him. <laughs> he's so over loyal to his draft picks. Yeah. He'll pay him. He's gonna pay him. Yeah. Collins is gonna be here for the long term, so yeah. I don't know why this isn't even a big deal because he's gonna keep him. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like Olshay over Olshay's Olshay Olshay's biggest problem is that I think he overvalues potential. Yeah. And Look I want, at Myers. I want to see what you think of this. Okay. Just really quick. This is okay. my last okay. thought. Okay, let's hear it. If did you hear, did you see Chris Haynes? So Chris Haynes and Lillard are tight. Right. Chris Haynes is with Yahoo Sports. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Chris Haynes a couple weeks ago coming out and saying like Lillard didn't sign up for this team? Like Olshay needs to go get him help right now. They need to make a huge splash at this year's trade deadline. I didn't read that. Okay. Yeah. Haynes was having some really like pointed like poking like pointing the finger right at Neil O'Shea in the front office of the Blazers saying uh-huh. Lillard didn't sign up for this team. He didn't sign up to play this kind of basketball. I don't know like is that coming from Dame or is that Haynes speaking on his own because they are super tight and I feel like Haynes right. this might be coming from Lillard and if that's the case that's so out of character for Lillard. Right. Because Lillard is one of the I think Lillard is one of those guys who under can see the bigger picture. Hey, Olshay tried. Right. The pieces just didn't work and injuries happened. But this isn't going to be the team that we're going to even see next year. What do you what are your do you have any thoughts on I know you didn't you didn't see it but yeah, like just from, from just what you're saying. Yeah. I think that maybe it's just him because I I don't know, it's hard for me like you said it's out of character for Dame if he's saying this, but also like dude, if you if you say I'm with the team who stuck by me and chose me mm-hmm. because of that loyalty, I'm going to be here. I don't care. I'd rather be with one team and try to win a championship mm-hmm. than never win a championship, which is what he has said. If that's the case, there are going to be times like this. Unfortunately, this is the second time you've dealt with a time like this. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and that's why I, I don't think it's all Dame. I do yeah. think Dame is... He's got to be frustrated. Maybe, maybe in a way saying, hey, 
Olshay, he hears what Olshay is saying. Olshay is always in the media talking about, you know, we have this, we have this trajectory, and we we want all of these players on the same, like on the yes. on the same timeline. He's, he's always talking about timeline and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And this, I think it's Lillard. Maybe Haynes didn't word it in a particularly good way because mm-hmm. I think it's being misconstrued. But I think if Lil, here's my theory is if Lil, I think Lillard is using Haynes as a mouthpiece to basically tell O'Shea. Stop with this timeline. potential thing. We, you are overvaluing potential. Mm-hmm. Get me help now. I'm in my window. Yeah, we need to win now. Go get me veterans. Okay. And so I wonder what what does that manifest as a trade in in the trade at the trade deadline. Right. I wonder also because Mello is kind of proving Dame's point. If this is the mm-hmm. argument, right? So Dame has been trying to get Mello to Portland for the last three or four seasons. And Mello has said no. So we finally get Mello and everyone's like, yeah, cool. You got an old man who can't bring shit. And Mello is killing it. Killing it. Yeah. And playing decent defense. And playing well with the team. Yeah. Last night he had two shots in the second half. Mm-hmm. And you would have thought that. You know, he, he the way he was playing it and still engaged. Yeah, I've never seen Melo like that. Wow. Normally, if he's not getting the ball, like he disappears. Yeah, he was active on the boards. He was active on defense. He was running around screens, like doing Whoa. doing the little stuff that you've never seen Melo. Right. So, which is proving the point that, like, look, dude, I've been trying to get this guy for years. Why didn't it happen? Now that's probably Melo's choice, mm-hmm. but it's also on the GM to make it happen. So maybe there's a little bit of that there too. Yeah, I mean, how many how many big stars did they were they in the hunt for that they yeah. missed out on? Like Paul George. Yeah. Like everything was is that Olshay had the best offer for Paul George with Indiana, mm-hmm. but because of Kevin Pritchard's yeah. history with Paul Allen, like he basically gave Portland the middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I I feel like Dame's got to get be getting frustrated with how many different whiffs, and I wonder if this ends up with Kevin Love in Portland. Oh God, I hope not. There's Please a lot. There's don't. a lot of Portland writers that want it though. Please too. <laughs> don't do that. I don't want it. I don't want it. Even if it's trading the expiring contracts of Bazemore and Whiteside, you're not getting rid of Anthony or Collins to get it. Okay, maybe those two. But here's the here's the here's the downside of okay. that. Thirty-two million dollars average for yeah. the next three years with yeah. Love, when you're already paying Damon CJ thirty million plus yeah. on their extensions. You can't afford to pay Collins when his contract is up. You're not going to be able to. Afford. Eventually, you, even though you're not directly trading Collins and Anthony mm-hmm. and whomever, you're still going to lose them down the road right. because you can't afford to Board pay them. That's my only concern with bringing in love. I just rather not. But I'm I'm kind of more patient, I guess. I don't know. My boss gives me shit every day because I'm like, I told him this is our season. This is it. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been. Yeah, I know. And he's I like, kinda, I've kind of been hiding for cover too. Yeah, he's always like, "Oh yeah, Blazers winning it all this year," and I'm like, Ugh. "I was like, next year, next year, it's our year next year." Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a stretch, and you 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 felt like you were upgrading at the position at different positions. Yeah, like you had a good holdover for Nurk until Nurk came back right. with Whiteside. You had you're bringing in Bazemore, which you thought was an upgrade over Turner. Yeah. You had Hood starting, which was a better shooter than Harkless. Yep. The only time you were like, okay, well, Aminu was such a good, versatile defender, but you're replacing him with a young Collins who, mm-hmm. who can kind of move his feet on the perimeter, can knock down some threes, and gives you more size down low, which you need with undersized with an undersized backcourt. Right. You felt like all of that was going to translate. And on paper, it should have. But these pieces clearly do not mix. Yeah. Yes, they're getting good, decent. <clears throat> Hassan's getting decent individual stats. CJ and Dame are getting their, their career averages. Mm-hmm. But, dude, tell me if that is not a good-looking product. No. But maybe that's also some frustration. It's like, dude, you got rid of everybody that we had that took us to the Western Conference mm-hmm. Finals. And now we're barely in the top eight. We're not even in the top eight. That's we're, what I mean. We're, we're fighting yeah. to try to get to top eight. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna, I am gonna. need some water. You want some water? Uh, I'm good. All right. Pause. Play. Instant water. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really need it. I was like, oh, man, I actually wish I had See? asked for it. But you brought me in it anyway. That's Hell how yeah. good of a host you are. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, I think we should announce it to our listeners that... Elect Doc Donna Sinclair. For? 
for the state representative in legislative district 18. Position number two. Running <laughs> against Republican Hoff. Pretty cool. Yep. I'm a down. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to read up on the 18th legislative district. I don't think I think you're in the 18th legislative district. I think this up is, here. Yeah, but I don't think I am. I think uh, I'm like if I was looking at the, like the district map. Okay. In 18 is weird. It like starts in Washougal, Kansas, yes, and then and it comes, waves over, waves up and over. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm just outside of it. But oh. I think you're in it. Okay. Because, I hope I'm in it. Because if you look at like where their meeting was, we'll have to talk to Donna. <laughs> she probably knows all of this. Right. But. <clears throat> Well, uh, I would love were, to have her were, on. I'm to pretty talk sure they were meeting at. Um, oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, I don't know. She's probably really busy. She's got a shit ton going on. <laughs> she's if, a professor and running for yeah. <laughs> for state legislature. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think they were meeting at Doc, at Papa Pete's Pizza up there at the Richfield Junction. So it's not too far from here. Oh, okay. So I don't I think, know where that is. Um, if you head north on mm-hmm, I five, mm-hmm. you, it's the. Um, it's right after the battleground exit. It's the next exit. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Where it has that overpass that goes over yep, the top. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, cool. Excited. I probably, if you know me, I've requested you to like her Facebook page, like her, follow her. Even if you're not in her district, it's interesting to follow politics. Oh, and for sure. She's been on our show, and she will be on our show in the future. So mm-hmm. support that. Um, and whether you vote Democrat or Republican, at least listen to what they have to offer, please. Oh, for sure. And thank you. Mm-hmm. So just no, wanted I, to say that. Um, there's, this next election cycle is going to be huge in Washington State. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to, um, yeah, I'm excited for Donna and I'm excited f- to help in any way if yeah, she asks We us both to help. reached out and said, you know, if you got work for us, we're busy, you're busy, but if there's things that we can do... Mm-hmm. It'd be fun to do that for sure to help you out. Okay, so I have some uh, ethics for professionals questions that I wanted to run by you. Okay, that I had to answer last night. Okay, um, so this is just these questions are in regards to communication. That could be communication between you and I, mm-hmm. you and a group, you mm-hmm. and the audience. Okay, um, so I I don't know if you saw I posted last night a video of me with the the lights on my face that said "Say what you mean." Probably not. It was mm-hmm. at like midnight. I didn't see that one. And I chose a song from the used called Liar Liar. Because I, this is, the question is, is lying acceptable? If so, when? If not, why? Oh, man. Right? That's a moral quandary. So I I just asked with some of the drivers this as mm-hmm. I was like reading about it and thinking about it and there were some drivers I got into like pretty good conversation with about mm-hmm. about defining lies and are white lies okay like you have to continue to consider your audience um, mm-hmm. I don't know in the book you know the book ultimately doesn't define it as you know they're like it could be this it could be that mm-hmm. it literally could be two definitions. Um, and, but also consider your audience. But the first thing I thought about, and this is what I wrote on my post, I start with honestly, pun intended. Um, <laughs> my first consideration is if individuals or groups would prefer lies or deception to absolute truths. If a liar deception reinforces an idea, belief, or even moral standing, would one prefer to hear that over an absolute truth that challenges their stance? Uh, I think that's a really good answer. I, I have way more than that as my answer. But mm-hmm. that was the first thought I had is if we're talking about lies and we're talking about, you know, the book said this and this is one of the thoughts that, that my boss actually had. He's mm-hmm. like, no, lying is always bad. And the book starts off with saying, I'm sure your first reaction is like a lot of people says lying is always bad. Because, right? yeah, you're, we have this cultural norm that you shouldn't. Yeah, lying. Is See, and that's another thing is we're talking about is like cultural standards or or agreements Mm -hmm. and that's what i kind of wrote in my answer is like i said this social contracts are constructed among groups friends and family and coworkers every day those interactions and contracts establish definitions but also limitations and boundaries between one another Mm -hmm. while some relationships may forgive or permit variations of the truth or definitions of what is acceptable others may not so and then I said, um, as mentioned in chapter one, uh, I believe that with 
like with most topics, there are no absolutes, but one must search for an appropriate point between two undesirable extremes. Okay. Of absolute truth and absolute lying. Yeah, I think that, especially interpersonal, just one-on-one or in a small right. group, um, lying, I think, is an effective social Absolutely, tool. and I think it, it's. I think lying in a, in a way is really definitely culturally driven. It depends upon the culture, right? Yeah. Because also for the speaker and the receiver, mm-hmm. because I think what you you brought up a really good point about the receiver's end of of this mm-hmm. um, kind of quandary, and that is, yeah, you, they, people want to hear what they want to reinforce, and then if you tell them, and mm-hmm. you as a speaker, and you're telling them something that they don't necessarily want to hear, or something that could ruin a friendship, should right. you say it? There's almost like a cultural norm that you should lie in right. that situation because, um, one, it's really uncomfortable for you as the speaker, mm-hmm. and so it's a way to kind of get or out of the situation. Or omit your point of view. Yeah. Is that lying? Mm-hmm. But also, the book argues that, like, by lying, are you restricting another person's freedom? Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Isn't that yeah. stupid, dude? It's like, wait, What? I think I think it's an instant cost of benefit analysis that goes on in all of our heads. Right. In any given situation, it's like what what are my costs of benefits of, of, of lying here versus telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Like it's I think it's crazy how instantaneous all of those calculations are mm-hmm. happening. Um, and what are the what are the chances of me getting caught in this lie? Right. Like so that's one argument I made in my first post is like looking at ethics and morals. Like mm-hmm. are they defined by shame? Like. Is am I going to feel bad about doing this? Yeah. Then does that get, does the shame is the shame or or bad feeling ultimately what guides my choice in moral or ethical situations? Sure. Right. Yeah. But on the counter, you could say I did the right thing, mm-hmm. so that's why I made the choice. For like, for it's all individual, but we we live and been culturalized in the same kind of area and, mm-hmm. and things. So I think we share a lot of the same cultural values on the macro level. Right. But. I know for like me, if it's only if the ramifications of telling the truth mm-hmm. only affect me, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to to tell the to tell the truth in any right. given situation because only I am suffering the the ramifications of whatever is being, right. being told mm-hmm. versus telling the truth that could affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's definitely more to the calculation on for on sure that. for sure. One one interesting point I think you would like that I was reading about is it's it's talking about communication, right? It's talking about truth telling. It's mm-hmm. talking about other other aspects of communication. But um, it was getting into this this conversation about um, so we have an an inherent freedom of speech, right? Yeah. But that also because of moral and ethics should be guided by responsibility. Or your responsibility of that freedom of speech is guided by moral and ethics, right? Yeah. And then it started talking, the book started talking about how some people and how dangerous this can be, but how it also has benefits. But that freedom of speech being guided by the marketplace of ideas. Okay. So just saying things and just saying things Mm -hmm. and just pushing the limits and only stopping when the market says that's not okay. Ah, I like that. I knew you would. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's cool. Isn't because, that cool? Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's but, interesting. But it's also dangerous because if you only rely on that to define your morals and ethics, mm-hmm. the marketplace, then you, aren't you pushing the, the limits of what can be said in a public forum? Like you mm. keep going until someone says stop. Okay, now you know where that bar is. Now you say something else and you keep going until someone says stop. I don't know. I just think about I tell, think about so like someone or like the or, or like the like the plurality of people in the room like if like the majority yeah, right, right. like the majority of the of the of the room or whatever like society or whatever yes, like yeah. at whatever level is saying like no that's an, that's yeah. enough. I think that gets into like I don't know if your book has talked about anything utilitarianism by Jeremy Bentham. Mm, maybe. He's maybe a, actually an, that sounds familiar. He's an enlightenment thinker yes. and he basically is talking about utili- utilitarianism when he 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 basically um he tries to break down every interaction, mm-hmm. every action oh, as as a uh, as a unit of mm-hmm. measure and whatever action gives the most good 
does the most good is the action that you should do. And that's obviously very socially right. driven because the, the society is going to define what is good. What is good. Right. So if you're talking about this marketplace of ideas, mm-hmm. you go until society says you've run out of utility. Mm. Like that, that doesn't carry enough utility. That's not doing enough good. So uh, in, is that in, is that in itself a self regul like a societal regulatory or a self-regulatory right. like, mechanism that is obviously culturally determined, but is operating above the individual. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I just worry about individuals like the president of the United States and his, his, his audience's definition of good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's where you get into whose definition of what is good. Yeah. And he's pushing these boundaries and these ideas and on, on one side it's completely acceptable mm-hmm. and the other side it's like, whoa, you are, you are not doing good. Well, for sure. I mean, we've had this discussion a lot, especially even on To the Republic. You can bring in that our discussion on democratic norms. Mm-hmm. And you realize how much of our government is operated just on norms and how things mm-hmm. have been done for a certain period of time. And that's and so we think that that's the way things are done. Right. You know, like our constitution is only there's a limited amount of words. Right. There's so much more room there for basically just precedent being set. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like to question like people in power like and it's almost like we've right now in our society we value norm pushers like right. this, this notion of being an outsider is really has a lot of salience in our political discourse mm-hmm. um and is almost a it, instead of where it used to be seen as a negative and now viewed as a positive mm-hmm. i don't know i don't i'm kind of no i don't know i don't know if this is getting off topic or not but Who cares <laughs> i like what you're saying because i'm thinking about that marketplace of ideas and 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 throwing an idea out there and seeing if it's if it if it if it goes unfazed then you can use that idea right mm-hmm. by the market it's permitting it so but you're talking about pushing ideas and pushing norms right so now there's also the counter of if you're not pushing ideas and if you're not changing norms yeah then you're just part of the institution and part of the problem i think in today's society i think that i that idea yeah is right yeah I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's like Mm -hmm. the overall idea, but that argument Mm -hmm. could be made for people viewing somebody like you're not doing enough to change Mm -hmm. when everybody is trying to force change. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I do. Not necessarily that that's what's happening, but I mean, that's definitely the mentality of some groups. Oh, I, yeah, for, I, you can, you definitely see that, especially on the, on the polls of each political party. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. You can tie that in with, um, kind of the the ideas that are being shared on the democratic debate stage i don't mm-hmm. did you watch any watch of the it. most no. recent one it was intrigued me i didn't watch the previous two or three because mm-hmm. like it's still like 10 people on a stage yeah. and you don't get anything i don't i've already heard their platitudes about healthcare and every other major topic mm-hmm. this one only had six okay they broke it down to basically the top six and really it was top five because they didn't give tom steyer a, a lot of okay. um uh a lot of talking time. Was Tulsi there? Tulsi was not there. Oh. It was, um, Andrew Yang wasn't there either. Oh. It was Warren, Biden, Sanders, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and Steyer. Okay. Tom Steyer. Yeah. Steyer. Anyway. Um, but it's, it's interesting, like the ideas, it's, it's funny how the ideas that are in that market that are in the market, the so-called marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of omnipresent thing where right. these ideas are floating around and, um, amongst, amongst our society and it's in our discourse. And you can see how that translate and manifests in the, in the discourse of the people who are fighting for, for leadership, you know, for leadership. Right. Because now it's like constantly the entire, like first 45 minutes of this debate, which I loved was on foreign policy. Oh and, no! And so I, I was really like, that's why I stayed up so late. So okay. I was like, finally, they're talking about my thing, right? right? And uh, I'm, I'm going to get to my, I'm getting to my point. Yeah, no, that's the fine. Uh, the multilateralism and the idea of coalition building and not working unilaterally is such a rejection of that of that American first idea, right. That is really popular on the other side, and then trying to bring like make America part of this world community. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that very neoliberal. Um, ideology, even if it's not on trade, but like this political development and, right. and making uh, United States 
a part of a community and even a leader of this international community really kind of being brought out and in all six of the people on the stage kept reinforcing that idea of multilateralism mm-hmm. so i thought i thought it was really it's interesting how how ideas work and influence individuals right you know yeah. it's just was an observation that i hmm. had what'd you think of the debate though what I know, about this is changing gears asking this question but i want to yeah. know no uh i liked the debate more than i've liked any of the other more way way more than i liked any of the other debates because mm-hmm. it actually allowed someone like biden who <sighs> biden does not articulate particularly well especially in one no. <laughs> in one one or two sentence sound bites where he feels like he has to get in this really like point right if you let him sit and talk something out and you're like, okay, I get what he's, I get what he's saying, and I agree. Right. And maybe it's just because I have this built-in bias, but because of For towards sure. Biden. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like, of the sixth, he's probably the only one I would really like happily support. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did allowing only having six. Allowed or for a real actual substantive debate. Right. Obviously, there were still times when like they had their talking points and they didn't elaborate where they should have elaborated or didn't dig deeper than as they should have yeah or we're gonna take a quick break to hear from tyson chicken we'll be right back (laughs) yeah but it was way more than we've gotten in the last time instead of so you didn't get the just i'm going to defend america from all of you know anybody who who, will or defend like you get the platitude of i'm going to defend america from all of all threats to its people and its interests like okay but Cool. Duh, everybody is, everybody's going to be, right? Like that's that's a given. Right. Say something like to what end? Right. What constitutes yes. a real threat to American people and its interests? Because that tells me what kind of wars we can expect you getting us into. What kind of conflicts? Mm. What is America how is America gonna project itself to the world? Right. Right? If it's gonna be we see Iran as a nuclear threat, as a threat to American interests, okay, that tells me what kind of policy I can expect from you mm. dealing with those type of actors. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff I want to hear. Right. Not like, yeah, I want to defend America. Well, well yeah, no, of course, I'm everybody. No, well, I'm going but to. But what, what does defend mean? Right. That's okay. the kind of stuff I okay. want to hear. And they got more into that. I'll have to check it last out. Last night. It's far more substantive. Okay. And I liked what, I was really questioning what the Democratic Party was doing, allowing like six debates of 10 plus people. Like, right. And then having like the 10 on one night and then a 10 on, a, on the second night. Like, they wanted to give the appearance of getting all these different voices right. a chance to speak, but really they understand. And I like that right before Iowa, the first time people have the vote, mm-hmm. boom, they cut it down to six. Here's our six. Right. We're going to go forward from here, okay. which is what they needed. I felt like they needed to do a while ago, but I think because of the... Do you think they'll make another big cut or significant cut for the next one? I think... So the next, the next primary is New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. My guess is it'll probably be down to... Five, they'll probably yeah. cut stay out of that. Okay. And if Yang does, they may keep it at six. If Yang performs well in Iowa, right. they may bump Yang with because um, mm-hmm. those poll numbers that kept Yang out. Right, but he's has a lot of grassroots support. Mm. All right, but it, yeah, I don't know. Their their metric for determining that is somewhat hidden. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see. And then so, then after that, it's South Carolina, and that's where I think you'll see Biden pull away from everybody mm. because if you look at his poll numbers throughout the South, he's pulling 15 points ahead of everybody else. Wow. So I think you'll see somebody like Buttigieg, you'll get like, you'll get somebody like a, a Buttigieg or maybe even a Warren who will either win or place high in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And that will propel some momentum, but it's really hard to sustain that over the long period of time. Right. Or you can get the, the, the Barack Obama who came out of nowhere, won Iowa and then charged his way all the way to the presidency. Right. So Iowa's weird. It can go, it can either create false, it can create this false momentum, mm. but it or it can propel because the way that the Democratic debate works is with superdelegates. If the dem- if superdelegates who outweigh the, a normal delegate are not and superdelegates are not bound to vote with a popular vote, and they're usually party people of the party, their state legislatures, their people in the state legislatures, their governors, whatever. And they're going to generally vote for the people who they see as establishment candidates because right. they're establishment themselves. If they start to see somebody pulling away and getting early momentum, they're more likely to then attach their their support to that person. So early momentum right. in the Democratic Party can can play a lot more, um, has a lot more play in it than, say, the Republican primary, which mm-hmm. is structured a little bit different. Right. 
Sorry, that was a really long-winded tan- tangent. Exciting times, dude. <laughs> it is exciting times. We're like, we're like what? Just a couple weeks away from from Iowa. So yeah. it's interesting when you're talking about that. Just to get back to this this idea of um, the marketplace of ideas and, and having more people up there, and and maybe maybe just having such a. I'm sure there's other other reasons or or. Um, motives to have so many people like they did in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then to whittle that down. But I I think about it was very much one liners when it was that big and you didn't have much to say, but at least you had maybe different ideas that weren't being brought by other people. Mm -hmm. And now maybe now those ideas are maybe it shifts the way people are thinking either whether that's good or bad. That's for someone else to determine. Mm -hmm. But maybe this person suggests something that maybe not a real candidate, but maybe a real candidate hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing I, uh, one of my questions, sorry, I, I'm just thinking right now, now that I'm saying that, um, uh, what did I say? What did I say? Oh, that's one of my points that I made about lying is, um, in the workplace when, when people like omit things or don't completely just like, Hey, what's the issue or why isn't this working? Um, and people sugarcoat shit. And they don't just tell you this is not working because of A, B, or C. And then you go, okay, how can we fix that? Mm-hmm. Instead, I've seen so many times managers who are just putting out fires so that they can keep their job just go, all right, yeah, we'll fix it. It's like, dude, tell him why it's not working. And they don't. So then you don't have the avail- the availability or the ideas or the ability or expediency to maybe try to solve a problem then Mm -hmm. instead it kind of just limps along so that's what i'm saying about like all these other ideas and including these other ideas that maybe you didn't have before might give either the voters voice or an idea to say hey maybe okay maybe we don't agree with everything that this person said but that idea is not bad what do you think about that Mm -hmm. and then challenge the new the new the narrowed group to kind of consider those ideas. You get sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying hundred percent, but that brings in the question is, should there be limits on what is allowed in the marketplace of ideas or should it just be yeah. a free reign? Right. If the idea is we should build the wall to keep Mexicans mm-hmm. out, like that stands in stark contrast with the principles and in, in the story that we tell ourselves. Right. That all men are created, all men are created equal, blah, 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 right. all of that, all of the principles and everything that we say we stand for, we, we, sh- we wrap ourselves in mm-hmm. this, the story and this, these idea, these broad, greater, like these great, these grand ideas that we, we tell ourselves the democratic principles and all that kind of stuff. Right. What happens if like something's in the marketplace that's gaining, do we have a, do the gatekeepers then have a, or who is the gatekeeper? Do they, yeah. is, is there is there a role to play to to limit what is in those marketplace of ideas or do you let those everything in and let what stands stands and what what doesn't stand dies out right i, I don't know it's, i'm trying to think of a and this is me just thinking while you're saying that is is and and uh, is there a correlation between that marketplace and the introduction of ideas mm-hmm. or the i don't know just uh, the allowance of ideas or the restriction of ideas in that space yeah. whether it's broad as far as i don't know globally or mm-hmm. the, or just the u.s or whatever it may be but also a shift in ethics mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. so if there's and i think about like uh segregation and stuff and just sure. the and and how as a nation ethics change or morals change mm-hmm. and you're talking about um bill of rights and and having that as like a standard of ethics right yeah. or or morals that mm-hmm. we we have and then building the wall now does that go against those ethics and but it's very much an idea that is implemented into our marketplace of ideas and now we're building a wall mm-hmm. how does that i don't know this class is going to blow my mind dude <laughs> <laughs> i can't stop thinking about it. and this is this is one thing so this is a little frustrating this is more of like an applicable master's program mm-hmm. One one downside of it is I can't I okay, so I talked to other professors and they're like, if you really understand communications on a theoretical level as much as the applicable stuff mm-hmm. that you're doing and you and you you can write into a doctorate program and try to get into the doctorate program and some doctorate programs or professors will permit that. Mm-hmm. But overall, WSU said you can't get into a doctorate program with this degree. 
I think they're saying that just so they don't give you. They're trying to be. I think trying to be more honest with right. you. But PhD programs are just you can you can apply for a PhD program with just a bachelor's degree. Mm. It's just does a professor want to take a chance on you? For sure, because like that the 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 professor student relationship is incredibly important, far more right. important than it is even at the master's level, mm-hmm. and far more important than it's a bachelor's Absolutely. level. Absolutely. So it's like basically you can you're basically trying to pitch yourself yes. to an employer. With a, as a PhD candidate, yeah, you're just like here's what I know, here's what I want to write about, right? And if and I think what your professors are telling you, and just from talking to Dr. Lopez and some other mm-hmm. people about PhDs, and it's just like basically, what a master's degree allows you to do is that it gives you an idea, a more in depth idea of what you care about within the within it, yes. and gives you some idea of what you would want to write about as a PhD candidate, mm-hmm. and that's what you pitch to that particular right. Um, well, I have been watching professor. Shark Tank, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, learn how I mean learn how to sell yourself and have that idea, have that idea, sure, right? And then sure. so then you you write to in, in finding the pro and you may have to apply to a shit ton of programs to right. find that one professor who's like, okay, that's in my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. That person can help further my own research. Right. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that person on for sure. Well, and I say this because you know my first two classes were content creation and uh, global communication in crisis. So you're learning about um, creating crisis plans and multimedia plans to handle these crises right Mm -hmm. that was very constructive as a class right so these two classes research and ethics is more theoretical and just bouncing ideas off other students but also reading different ideas in the book i am loving it yeah i love it Mm -hmm. but i also i think what i think is is like that makes me one consider history when i'm discussing these things but two it also i think kind of plays with the training that I had in English as far as deconstruction. Okay. Deconstruction of ideas and sure. and and uh language and mediums and uh you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm I love it. Yeah. So, I don't know if our listeners are enjoying this conversation, <laughs> but I love just kind of bouncing ideas off you mm-hmm. and and having a I don't know, it's fun to to theorize and think about the world we live in, but also the limitations and boundaries that we set as individuals, mm-hmm. as a society, as groups. Um, so I don't, I'll, dude. <laughs> I, I wish you had taken more political science classes. If you love the theor- the theoretical right. based stuff, man, like God, political science like has like a lot of, and so every yes. every discipline does has a, especially has with a, the historical aspect, has, has a research slash theory based component to right. it. There's the applicable side, and then there's the the like kind of. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a student, I'll, and we're going to end this episode on this. There's a student who we know who's been going to WSU before we got there and after <laughs> we got there. And I found a picture of him uh, still on campus, and I sent it to you. Codename the Poof. And you're like, man, he's still going there? And I was like, dude, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> it was too real, yeah. dude. <laughs> you're like, oh, he's, sti- he's still going to campus. He's still there. And I'm like, uh, I mean... I wish I was still clouded by thinking by being on campus and thinking I was going to matter. <laughs> and yeah, feeling we were going to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. We we're going to actually do something that mattered. Um, yeah. When you sent that, I was like, I feel that in my soul. Yeah. Because I legitimately thought like I had all these good ideas and I'm going to, yeah, I, people are going to value my ideas. Yes. And no, nobody gives a shit. Nobody man. cares about your stupid ideas. No, because everybody else has already thought it. Yeah. And think of something new, dude. And I'm then try- go on Shark Tank. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm gonna write a book, dude. I had somebody like at work. This his name's Bob. He's he has oh, a, you're he, writing a book? No, I'm just saying I'm doing things. <laughs> exactly, because doing something <laughs> gets you fired, right? Um, no, like I really, actually, I really want to write. I'm thinking about doing this like a, a book where it's like uh, international relations for dummies. Not like not titled that, obviously, right, be a copyright right. infringement, but like how to explain the theoretical concepts of international relations and why the world is the way that it is mm-hmm. in a very like plain way using mm. like good, like real world analogies. That's literally to the Republic. You explain it, and then I go, hold up. What he means is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I have the ability to do that, but I definitely But you have try. me. Yeah. I can always help. Yeah, you could be my ghostwriter. No, no, no. There's a chapter on ghostwriting, and it's, if it's ethical. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll have to read Interesting. it. Um, but, no, I think that's a great idea. I think that's the whole point of what this show is and To the Republic is, is 
I mean, there are, you know, I was talking to guys last night and they're like, dude, Jake's so fucking smart. You're saying this last weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you listen because then you can learn shit. I, I learn shit from him all the time. Well, dude, you're pretty fucking smart, too. <laughs> no. Yeah, dude, those I, I'm not I'm not shitting you. Okay. Those answers. That's master's level writing. For real? For real. I just that's feel... really fucking good. Well, hopefully they agree. <laughs> hopefully well, they, they should. Agree. Yeah. I mean, that's really good writing. Right. Well, you're what well, you're like you're you're drawing on on um, on cultural aspects, on psycho on psychological like mm-hmm. aspects. Like you, know, you nailed that. I hope so. Yeah. I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can tell, dude, that's like the most impassioned writing. And I've read some of your, like your other work, and I'm not saying it's bad. Right. That is really good. I can tell you that you care about oh, that. Thank you. And you're connecting with the material on a deeper level. I'm trying. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it now. Yeah. We're making other people listen to us talk about <laughs> it. So, I don't know. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, I love it. I was just thinking about this as we were getting into that pretty deep talking that mm-hmm. it's like, 10 minutes of like sports and i just think of like meatheads like yeah sports sports and then we just transition into like theoretical ideas of communication well, that's what that's what our show <laughs> is right like i was reading our bio on our instagram page yeah. and basically it's like and whatever else we want to talk about right like that's just that's what this is it is i didn't even bring up something about like our ideas even really ideas or are they just window dressing for interests what do you mean? Oh, I like that. What do you mean by that? Like when people like say McDonald's says we're going to go, we're going to do like this green environmental eco-friendly yes. thing. Is that them actually believing in being eco-friendly or is that them noticing idea that's in the marketplace and trying to take advantage of it? So what I've read is, is a hundred percent taking advantage of ideas in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. There might be making slight changes mm-hmm. to, to if they're challenged on it, are you really doing it? Yeah. Then having a way to prove it. But overall, it's made because the marketplace is dictating that. Mm-hmm. But in the short run, mm-hmm. that may be the case. But in the long run, does that actually change behavior? If a if a company is claiming you know it's eco, it's going to be eco friendly, and mm-hmm. over time, as that in, that's an institution, right? And right. over time, if that's how they see themselves, does that over the long run, say ten like a decade, mm-hmm. ten years? Does that actually then self reinforce, and then all of a sudden their interest, that intersection of interest mm. and ideas, becomes their that idea becomes their interest, right? Because the market faces is somewhat dictating their behavior mm-hmm. over time. They identify that idea, that grander idea of being right. eco friendly, as being paramount to their interests. So then you have that intersection of interests and ideas, right? Well, it would have to be they would have to get positive reinforcement from the change, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they're making more sales, because all that matters is money. So if their change in being eco friendly is reflected in their sales, mm-hmm. if they can find a, a, maybe it's a correlation or a direct, you know, result, then they're gonna continue on that path. Mm-hmm. But if people don't care and there's no change, do they revert back to, or do they lessen their their speech on being eco friendly or whatever it might be? Okay. <laughs> uh, I like no, that's a good answer. Okay. I don't know. For sure. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank for, you listening. for listening to us. <laughs> We're crazy. All right. We'll be back next week. I right, um, love you guys for listening. Yes. Thank you always. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Right, bye.